I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm thankful for those that are watching online. I want to continue on the subject, we are the church. Whether you realize it or not, you're part of the most amazing group that's ever been organized in the history of the world. We are the church because we were founded by Christ. We weren't founded by, uh, by religious leaders. We weren't founded by, by uh, politicians. We weren't founded by frontiersmen. We weren't founded by uh, the intellectuals. We weren't founded by anybody other than Christ himself. He is the chief cornerstone, and we are built in that, in, in that church. Don't you love that? You have a sure foundation. I, I found out a long time ago that your foundation, if you're building something, your foundation is the most important part of the building. If you don't have a good foundation, I don't care what you build on top of it. If the rains come and the foundation shifts, you're really in trouble. But if you have a solid foundation, then you'll be able to stand. And I want to talk to you today about one of the key components of the church. When I speak of the church, I don't speak of the facilities, although God has blessed us with amazing facilities here. And it's incredible that the, uh, the First Alliance churches, that there's four congregations right here in four different languages. That's a testimony to the glory of God, isn't it? Well, I'm glad about that, but, but I, I'm not talking about the facilities. I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about you and I, those that have given their lives to Christ. I want to talk to you about one of the key components, one of the parts of our DNA that define us, that make us who we are. It's the word compassion. Compassion. History has been changed by men and women that have displayed compassion in the times of adversity. Compassion is simply feeling pity or sympathy for others that are in need. Harold Lowe, 29 years old, he was an officer on the Titanic. And when the ship sunk on on April 14th, 1912, he was, one of the, he was one of the officers that was in one of the lifeboats. And they were told, don't go back to the ship because so many people will try to, to get into your boat that you'll end up drowning as well. And yet when Harold heard the cries, he was the only one that said, I will risk my life, and went back and saved another six people. Compassion. Hearing about others in need and responding. Many of us have heard uh, Oscar Schindler, and you, maybe you've watched the movie Schindler's List, the German uh, businessman that that was uh, industrialist that saved over a thousand Jewish people by hiring them and, and spent his entire fortune just to save those around him. Compassion. Seeing somebody else's need and being moved to a point that you not only feel bad for them, but you act 
on what you're feeling. In Fukushima, Japan, in 19, or 20,000, or 2011, 20,000, isn't that great? Uh, to, well, we're really advanced in time. Uh, in 2011, they had a 9.0 earthquake. Now, I've been in a 7.6, and that was uh, the Loma Prieta in San Francisco, and it brought down roads, it brought down everything. The, the city looked like a war zone. Can't imagine what a 9.0 earthquake. But that earthquake took their nuclear plants in Fukushima, and they had three nuclear reactors, and all three began to melt down. Radiation began to, to spew out. And they had to fix the nuclear reactors before they completely melted. So 400 400, say that again, 400 retired engineers and scientists that had already paid their dues, that were living uh, the, the best life, their golden years, they volunteered to go in and fix the plant because they didn't want young people to go in and end up with cancer or whatever, radiation sickness so they all volunteered they said we'll do it and they went in and fixed the situation because they had compassion on the younger ones don't you love that isn't that a great story so if you if you ever run across somebody that's not uh not having compassion just remind them about fukushima japan and yet here we are and christians and we just celebrated Passion Week with the passion of Christ. It's amazing the great compassion that Jesus had when he prayed over Jerusalem and he said, oh, I wanted to gather you together and yet you wouldn't. Think about the compassion that Jesus has and has had for humanity. That he would endure such pain, such sorrow just to better us to make us his children. In fact, Jesus' whole ministry, his entire ministry was filled with stories of compassion. When you read about Jesus healing people, when you read about Jesus feeding people, when you read about Jesus raising the dead, it, it almost always is preceded, no matter which gospel you look in, it's almost always preceded by this one phrase. And Jesus having compassion on them. And Jesus having pity and sympathy, being moved by what he saw, said, I'll fix it. I'm sure that Jesus had compassion. Mary and Martha were crying at their brother, and they said, oh, Jesus, if you'd just been here three days earlier, we know you would have healed him. And that, same, that, famous, that famous two-word verse that everybody that's ever uh, memorized Scripture loves, Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? He knew he could raise him, knew he was going to raise him. I would submit to your hearing that Jesus wept because he saw the hurt and the anguish in his friends' hearts. 
And he was moved with compassion. When Jesus healed the sick, when he fed the 5,000, he said, we need to give them something to eat. They've been here all day. See, Jesus' whole ministry and his whole life was about not just displaying the great compassion of God, but it was about being compassionate. See, his whole, the whole key to his ministry was, was seeing the needs of other people and being so motivated, so, so burdened within his own self and realizing that he had a solution, that he could do something, and he reached out and he did it. It's imperative that the church, which is built on that same foundation of compassion, that you and I are called to fulfill, to complete the work of Christ. My friends, I don't, I don't know if you can memorize the entire Bible. I've known somebody that memorized the entire New Testament and most of the Old Testament. And when he preached, he didn't even use a Bible. And I thought, that is so stinking cool. But you can memorize the Bible and you can know everything theologically there is to know about the Word of God. And you can, you can take every class and you can go to every church service and you can do everything else. But my friends, without compassion, you'll never fulfill the Great Commission. Compassion is the key. Having sympathy and pity on people that don't know Jesus. Having sympathy and pity on those that are hurting. Having sympathy and pity on those that are going through difficult times in their life and not just feeling sorry for them and not just even praying for them because prayer is, an ama is amazing. If prayer is anything, it's everything to the child of God. But it's moving beyond that and taking a step forward and saying, they need a dollar, I have two, here's one. If they, if they want you to walk a mile with them, you walk too. If they need a coat, you give them your coat and your shirt. It's, it's looking beyond how people are acting and looking at their need and ministering to them in spite of... Are you ready for this? In spite of their attitude. Oh. You say, well, now you're meddling now, Pastor. Compassion's always been the catalyst behind every great Christian ministry in the past and present. Paul to the Gentiles, he was moved with compassion and went out. We used to have what we called one-way missionaries. One-way missionaries back in the 1800s, early 1900s, they would pack everything they had in a coffin because they knew they weren't coming back. Okay, for those that are younger, this is before cell phones and airplanes. And the only way you could correspond was through a letter written in cursive. <laughs> Things have changed. Not all for the better, not all for the bad. 
But these people, they understood that they were called. They had compassion on those that they were going to, to see, to meet, to minister to. And they left family, friends, and everything and said, I'm going to die where God's planted me. Out of great compassion. Perhaps many of you remember uh, Elizabeth Elliot. Her and her husband Jim were, were ministering to tribes in Ecuador and they were warned about a, a particular tribe but they, had, they were called by God to, to go and, and Jim and three other gentlemen were speared to death by the men of this tribe. Elizabeth with her 10-month-old daughter and along with a sister of one of the other gentlemen that had died chose to stay Because God had called her and she had great compassion even on the people that had taken her husband's life. And Elizabeth ended up ministering to the same people that turned her world upside down by the loss of her why would she do that? Why would anybody do that? Compassion. Compassion. Seeing a need and acting on that need because if, if it's in your heart and you have the ability to do something and you just do it, not because you want to be seen, not because you want to be heard, not because you want accolades, but because you look at the needs of other people and something in your heart says, I've got to make a difference. Peter was speaking to the church in Asia Minor and then uh, which is now Turkey. He's speaking to Jewish Christians and they were under heavy, heavy, heavy tribulation, heavy persecution. And, and, he, and he writes to them in, in 1 Peter 3, 8, 9, and he gives this great, great oratory on submission, on being sympathetic to, the, to those that are around it. And, and Peter gives this passage of Scripture to help those, those Christians and to help us understand what it's like and how, how we can live a life of compassion. And now you have, when you read the, the writings of Peter, you have to understand that, that not like Paul. Paul. Paul builds this great theological foundation and then he gives you implementation. Peter does not do that. Peter gives you a command, then substantiates it with the gospel. So he doesn't, he doesn't get you to the place where you say, okay, I comprehend this, and then Paul says, okay, well, this is what we need to do. Peter says, just do this, and I'm going to tell you why. And in, and in 1 Peter chapter 3, I don't know if we have it on the screen or not. We don't. Okay, I get to read it. 1 Peter 3, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones on your Bibles, the great thing about having your phone on your Bible, if you're bored, you can play a video game and no one knows. Um, just turn the sound off. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, this is what he says. He says, finally, it's the third part of submission. It's the third part of, of building a life of compassion and understanding. He said, finally, 
all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. See, Peter goes on and he says, do this, and then he gives us the reason why. Because you were called to inherit a blessing. That word finally, it just simply means it's the last section on submission to one another. Paul understood, or Peter rather understood that living to serve others is a prerequisite to having compassion. If you're serving yourself, you will have little time to serve other people. And he goes on to say this, live in harmony. Now when you look at the, at the original text, live in harmony, I'm reading from the NIV, but some of the others actually have it more accurate. It simply means this, think the same way. Everybody be on the same page. Now, let me ask you, why, why would everybody need to be on the same page when you're talking about compassion? Why would everybody need to be on the same page, united with others in the way we think? And it's simply this. If, if a body of believers is going to move in one direction, everybody has to be going in the same way. And then for a body of believers to have compassion, everybody has to be compassionate. Everybody needs to be submitted to one another. See, submitted to one another doesn't mean that you're, that you're just saying, okay, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. What it does mean is I'm looking out for your best interests even over mine. I'm going to give you a kind word even if you give me a negative word. I am going to be gentle with you even if you're harsh because I know what's best for you and I'm going to submit my will to the Lord and I'm going to minister out of compassion. See, compassion requires that all of us move in the right direction self-serving self-serving people always destroy not convolute not water down but destroy compassion you remember ananias and sapphira here's the church the church was is growing and in Acts, and the Bible says that, that people that had need, that, that people were looking at others that had need, and they were selling stuff that they had extra, and they were giving it to the apostles, and the apostles were giving it out to those that were in need because one person's surplus plus one person's need equals enough. And they were ministering to one another. They were showing compassion. They were showing sympathy. Nowhere in the Scripture does it say that they looked at the people and said, well, I know you have a need, but... I don't find you worthy. They just met needs. 
They saw a need and they met needs. Why? Because they were moved with pity, with compassion, with sympathy. They just wanted to do what they could do. And they began to minister to one another. And as they began to minister to one another, man, the church began to mushroom and grow. Show me a, a group of people that have great compassion toward one another. And I'll show you a light that shines in darkness. And here comes Ananias and Sapphira. Now they, they had some extra stuff. They had a yard sale. And they sold their extra land. And, but they made a pact together, husband and wife. They said, we're going to give the apostles some of it. And we're going to keep back some. But we're going to lie about it. And when Ananias came before Peter, he says the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter, and he said, why are you lying? Why are you lying? And it cost him his life. His wife came in, and it cost her her life. And you say, well, why, why would God deal so harshly, so critically with, with people that just want this kept some back? And it wasn't that they retained it for themselves. Peter even said, if you wanted to keep it back, you could have. But why did you lie? The reason why is they wanted to look like they were compassionate. They wanted to look like they were helping. See, it's important that we don't look just like we're helping, but we truly help. Not that we look like we're compassionate, but we are truly compassionate. Self-serving people always destroy the spirit of compassion. People that, that are unwilling to forgive can destroy the spirit of compassion. Well, Pastor, you don't know what that person said to me. No, I probably don't. Uh, you know, I, I've had people come to my office a few times. Not here, because you guys are perfect. Um, but in the past, I, I've had people come to my office and say, Pastor... Did you know that person over there is doing this? And I'm thinking, boy, if that's the only thing you know about the people in the church, we're doing okay. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. It's interesting to me that, that, that people that are unwilling to forgive, you can't have compassion. Remember the story of the man that, that owed a lot of money and he went to his master and said if you just give me a little time uh, I, I will i will repay you and the scripture says that that the man was moved with compassion and said i'm going to clear your entire debt would that be amazing how would you like an irs agent to come to you and say i know you owe me money but no you don't anymore or your or your your house your your mortgage wouldn't you like the bank to come knock on your door and say hey we've taken care of your house don't even worry about it wouldn't that be great or let's talk about something that costs a lot of money if you go to the grocery store
So here's this man, and, 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 and he is forgiven all this. I'm sure he was excited, exuberant, but then he's walking home like, woohoo, I got rid of all this debt. And he sees a man that owes him a couple of bucks and grabs him by the neck and begins to choke him, says, give me my money. And the guy said, if you just give me a little time, I will repay you. And the man that was just forgiven much had him thrown in jail until his family could pay it. Scripture says that that first man, that first man, when, the, when his master heard of it, brought him back in and threw him in prison. What was wrong with him? He had no compassion. See, you would think that, that somebody that has so much, that, that's been forgiven so much, would, would have compassion on everybody. And yet, there's something about the human nature that, that says, yeah, I want it for me, but I don't care so much if it's for somebody else. And, and, and the key, the key to being like Christ, the key is looking at everybody in every circumstance and moved and being moved with compassion to do what you can do for them. Psalm 133 says this. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil, the anointing oil that ran down Aaron's beard, even the beard, and it covered him. It's like the dew of Hermon. He says, well, well why, is he, why is he talking about this harmony, this, this living in harmony, living in, in submission to one another, living in compassion, having compassion on one another and, and ministering? He, he is saying it brings the unity of the Spirit of God. That oil that he was talking about was olive oil plus four ingredients, and it was designed to bring a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Do you want to... If you want your life to, to bring a, a, a sweet fragrance to God, learn to have compassion. To have pity on others. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. There's more, there's more in this passage that, I, that I'm not going to get to today. Perhaps we'll get to it next week. But I do want to give us an opportunity today to have compassion. The Bible says that there will be a lack of compassion in the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves. They're going to be focused on themselves. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But I don't know of a better time to have compassion. Because compassion, compared to self-interest, will blossom and grow and shine brilliant. Sometimes we can get so focused on the things that are going on in our, in our world, and, and we look at all the negativity, and... and uh, it's sad to say, but every news article that you will read has something negative about it. We don't hear anything positive. 
it's all negative, 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 and it's all about people being self-interest and, self, and inflicting pain on somebody else and everything else. And yet, the DNA of the church is to show compassion and have, and have compassion on one another, to pray for one another, to, to minister to one another, to serve one another, to love one another, to bless one another. I will promise you this. When the church begins to love and bless and, and, and encourage and strengthen and have compassion and minister to one another, it's going to be a light it is a light in a dark world. And those that see the light will want to be attracted to it. This church is a compassionate church. This church has displayed compassion many, many times. And I want to give you an opportunity to, yet again, display compassion in just a moment I'm going to ask whoever will I'm going to ask our elders to, to come and whoever needs prayer prayer for healing prayer because of a, a, a financial need whatever it may be in your life maybe there's something going on in your family that you want prayer for James tells us if anyone's sick, let him call for the prayer, uh, elders of the church. And the prayer of faith shall raise the sick. My friends, I believe it's time that we are moved with compassion. If you're here today and you see somebody that walks down here, would you be moved with compassion and say, God, I don't know what their need is. God, I want you to minister to them. I really want you to bless them. That's when, that's when God begins to work, is when God's people have compassion. You say, no, it's great faith. It's, it's being able to walk in and say, you're healed and you're healed and you're healed. It, it's compassion. It's compassion that says, God, I can't do anything on my own, but I'm trusting in you. And you allow that compassion to move through you and let God minister to those around you. Would you stand with me?